Jason, I'm so glad to be here with you, man. It's a great day. It's always fun. This is your new life. Baptism shirts, guys. Aren't they awesome? They are. Yeah. It says this is my new life. It's a t-shirt for podcasters who can't see what's going on here. Everybody, warmest possible welcome to Doable Discipleship. You may know, but this is a Saddleback Church podcast and YouTube show designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. But Jason likes to call it... El espectaculo que te ayuda a crecer. Oh my gosh. I did not notice that you had something written on your notes. It's, it's the show that helps you grow. Uh, Spectacular is a little is bit... Is this a Google Translate? It is a Google Translate. <laughs> oh man, we're going to get comments on what a bad translation that was. Uh, Jason. Yes. Oh, hey Doug. Have you been on any good new websites lately? Can you repeat that? Because you kind of trailed off there in the laugh. I forgot we were doing this bit. Okay, guys, we just want to talk about, we got an awesome new website that we want to share with you. It's saddleback.com slash doable. That's right. Um, so you can find everything r- related to this show now on one um, nice one, one nice site. Just one nice, convenient package. Yeah. From now on, anytime you want to see, oh, Doug and Jason said, go back and watch that episode. Where do I find it? What do I do? Go to saddleback.com slash doable. And all our previous episodes are right there. And we're told this isn't functional yet, but in version tr- version two, which hopefully will come out like, you know, later this year before that we get into the new year, uh, it'll be searchable. So Whoa. you can actually search for our old episodes and what was talked about and go check stuff out. Yeah. Uh, and that'll also be a function that'll work across the entire Saddleback site. So all kinds of Saddleback messages and things you'll be able to find through searching. Yeah, friends, uh, isn't that is, exciting? But it's it not is. available. This yet. is the seventy-first episode of Doable Discipleship. So it is. So there's a lot of great stuff to go back and search through. Speaking of episode seventy-one, yeah. For every seventy-one, there was first a seventy. Last week, true words. That was a Jason. Spoken. That was a Jason-esque transition, actually. Uh, All right, maybe not up to your standard. Anyway, last week we kicked off a new series. We're going through spiritual practices, and we're kind of. This is a series where we're actually kind of taking you into some more advanced spiritual practices. Uh, You know, obviously we teach in class 201 the big four, right? What are they, Jason? They are uh, a daily time in God's Word. Yep. They are prayer or a daily quiet time with God. Yep. They are tithing or giving. Correct. Or and they are um, community, small groups, fellowship. Yeah, be in a small group. Four big spiritual habits, and those are the four basic ones that every believer needs to be doing in order to, to, to grow spiritually. But in this series, we're talking about what are some next steps that you can take? What are some next spiritual practices that you can start doing in your life to, to deepen your friendship with God? Uh, last week, we had a really great conversation with Buddy Owens, who always brings tons and tons of great wisdom. Make sure you go back and check that out at saddleback.com slash doable or in your podcast app. Um, and today, we're continuing by having a little talk about the practice of silence and solitude, which you may not have ever thought of that as an actual practice or a spiritual discipline, but indeed, it is. We're going to have a whole conversation about that in just a sec. All right, friends, so we're going to dive in. Silence and solitude. First off, what are they? What is silence and solitude? Doug? Yeah, well, we'll take them in turn. We'll start with what is silence. It's a little something like this.
Yeah, picture that, but but maybe longer mm-hmm. when you do it. Silence is really... Your podcast did not break. <laughs> just saying, we just did a silence. We, we thought about doing that, and I thought, everyone's going to think that their phone stopped or something yeah. broke. Indeed, it did not. <laughs> it's just something <laughs> silly that we did. Uh, anyway, in silence, it, it's basically what it sounds like. It just means that we refrain from speaking, and we separate ourselves from noisy environments and stuff like that, and we don't engage in any external entertainment. We're not looking for something to, to you know, take our attention, to take our focus. We're just quiet. We get to a quiet place and we remain quiet. Yep. That's it. Yep. And solitude is, as it sounds also, it is abstaining from the company of others. Other people, see ya. Adios. Shop is closed. I'm busy. I'm busy. Um, and so while these two are separate practices, they're two distinct things, they do naturally fit really well together since silence can be practiced more easily when we uh, are withdrawn from other people. Yeah. Uh, not as tempted to talk to Doug when I'm not near Doug. In yeah, people tend to bring the noise, so to speak. And the funk. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, why this combo of spiritual practices is so important. Because you may be thinking, silence and solitude, that sounds like a very... You're talking about these as being like advanced spiritual practices? Please, silence and solitude seems like the easiest, most like t-ball thing we could possibly ask you to do. No, no, no. Hold on right there. There's actually a lot to this. Well, let's start by talking a little bit about silence and solitude in the modern age, because we're living in a time that actually makes silence and solitude extremely difficult. In fact, silence and solitude have become exceedingly rare and will probably keep becoming even more rare in our daily lives as things progress technologically and all that stuff. Eventually there's going to be ads like in your bedroom <laughs> while you're trying to sleep, ads playing. Yeah. Like gonna be they're going to find a way to jack into your dreams it's, and advertise exactly. to you while you sleep. Yeah. We're surrounded by all kinds of noise, environmental noise in the place that you work. And, you know, even at home, even at home in, you know, the place that you think of as being kind of your sanctuary, there can be a lot of noise. If you're a parent or you live with other people, it can be tough. Like, or you got a flock of parrots. Turn the TV down. <laughs> you know what? It's funny you should say. <laughs> <laughs> I have, over the past few weeks, had migratory parrots roosting <laughs> in a tree above my house. I that kid you not. Fun. It happens every year. Mm. They come through, and right now they're making their southward migration because, you know, the season's starting to change here. Yeah. And they just squawk. And then they'll mm. take flight out of the trees and, and do these big circles, squawking and squawking and squawking. Anyway, so go. the point remains, guys, <laughs> it is tough to find silence and solitude. It's not easy. We've got devices on us all the time. Look at Jason's cell phone right here. I put it there for I'll the put his time, phone number in the show hidden. notes. Okay. You know, you got a device on you all the time, if you're like most people, that is literally designed to take as much of your focus and attention as possible. The apps that are on your phone are, are specifically built to capture your attention and to divert your attention away from, you know, silence and solitude. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're accustomed to being entertained all the time. It, it's hard for us to, to just enjoy peace and quiet because we want to be entertained. We want to be stimulated constantly. So, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's, and that just speaks to the fact that most modern people, we can barely stand silence. It's yeah. just so... It's, it's become almost super uncomfortable for us. Like right? that, whatever it was, 10 seconds of silence we did just a few yeah, minutes ago. Yeah, you probably freaked out. I was like, what, what, what's wrong? I'm alone what's with wrong? my thoughts. What is happening? <laughs> Don't leave me alone with me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, and it's just a matter of fact that we've kind of lost our taste for it because we, it's, not, it's not something we almost need to endure anymore right? is yeah. what we think about because we got so many means for... Um, a distraction and engagement. And mm, it, yeah. it, so it's become almost to the point that silence has become deafening. And 
and you notice a silence. People notice it. It's almost overwhelms you mm-hmm. when you feel it. And so that's just kind of where we're at right now with that, with the practice or the idea in the modern age. Yeah, that's totally right. Well, let's talk about why silence and solitude are so important. And there are a lot of really, really good, compelling reasons for that. But I want to start us off with uh, a verse. It's Psalm chapter 27, verses 4 and 5. And it's a personal favorite of mine. It might even be, I might even go as far as to say this is like my number one, my favorite, my life verse. This is a really? this is a couple of verses that's kind of been there for me over the years, and I've always really loved it. It's always been a good help to refocus in times of real struggle and difficulty. This is a verse that I've always leaned on. Um, But I think it really gives us a a strong sense of the power and uh, worthwhileness of silence and solitude. So let's read this together. It goes like this, and, and this is a Psalm of David. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He'll place me out of reach on a high rock. I, I love that verse. And I think that's a good framing verse for us today because yeah. this idea of entering into to God's presence, entering into the temple, so to speak, um, the sanctuary, the place where God is, so that we can just be alone with him and be quiet, I think it kind of sets our theme. Agreed. So uh, the first thing that we want to talk about and why are silence and solitude important is that they provide space for listening. Yeah. Because when we cease to speak, we intentionally allow space for God's voice. Uh, God's not going to you know, speak over you. He's going to wait. Uh, he's, it's so often that we, in prayer or, or whatever, as we go about our lives, just do you know, make it so that we're always doing the talking. And mm-hmm. in prayer, that's, a, oh, that's yeah. a common thing. Is it's, 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 hey, here's the needs, here's the thoughts, here's, the, you know, you know, here's, um, here's all this stuff from me. And yet we often forget to be silent and, and, and let God speak. It's a conversation. Our relationship mm-hmm. with God is a conversation. We talked about this before in the Quiet Tide episode that we did a little bit ago, but we have to allow room for God to speak. So it, it provides um, space for listening. God loves to hear from us. That's the truth. God yeah, loves totally. to hear from us, but we must not forget that he also desires to speak to us as well. Yeah. Um, so in silence, what's really... What we're doing in intentional times of silence is humbling ourselves and acknowledging that God is wisdom, God is truth, God is love, and we look to Him in those times of silence and receive that from Him. Yeah, we admit it's it's admitting that we don't have the answers. It's not saying, mm-hmm. God, I need help with this. I believe it's this. I'm going to do that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's saying it's saying, God, you know far better than me. So if you have something that you want to say to me in this time, I'm going to listen. Yeah. And so silence is the opportunity to just be still and know yeah. that he is God. Oh. Ooh, I almost interjected there. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad I waited. There was a silence moment. I was there, like God. jump rope. I was like, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no not, not yet. Yeah. Not my turn. I, uh, you just made me think of something. Um, a lot of times in your walk with God, you may have had moments where you feel like God's just being silent, like God's not speaking to you. You might want to ask yourself, is, does God seem silent to me because I won't shut up? Mm-hmm. If God seems quiet, it may be because you're not giving him space. You're not being quiet enough to hear him. So think on that. There's a, a quote that I heard, and I think I, heard it, I think I heard it in a movie or something. Jason, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of all things film. But I think I heard a, a quote in a movie one time that said, listening is loving. And I don't know that it was connected to like any useful worldview or anything like that, but that idea of listening is loving really stuck out to me. And it made me think this idea that if we 
fail to listen that we're actually failing to love. I heard this just recently. Yeah, where do we hear what? that? Anyway, did Pastor Rick say it in staff meeting? I don't know. Oh, well, he, ha- he has, he has, he has taught on this idea before. But this idea came to me that, that to, love, to love means seeking to perceive the beloved. It means seeking to perceive the heart of the other. You know, think of it in, in any relationship that you have with another person. A very loving thing that you can do is to actually try to see and hear and understand that person. To seek to comprehend someone else is an act of love in itself because it reinforces the strength of relationship. And I think if we're not quiet with God, <clears throat> we may not hear from Him. So listening is loving. Do it with God, not just with other people that you're in relationship with. All right, so it provides room for listening, as you said. Second, it, it provides space for looking. Silence, solitude provides space for looking. It means we look at what's happening in our hearts. It, looks, it means we, we take a look at what God is doing in our lives, His fingerprints on the world, and we intentionally focus our sight on God. Uh, it's very true, as I think we've already made this pretty clear so far, that daily life seeks to take your focus in all kinds of different directions, away from God, usually. But when we enter into a conscious time of silence and solitude, there's something very profound that happens, because we're not just, um, we're not just placing our focus on God with our minds, with our thoughts, or even with our hearts, or with our feelings. We're actually in silence and solitude bringing our bodies into submission to that silent and solitary moment where we actually are closing our mouths and creating silence. And we are actually turning our bodies, moving our bodies into a place of solitude so that we can be alone with God. And that's a very profound thing. That All spiritual disciplines come down to taking a concrete step into deeper relationship with God. And silence and solitude is no different. It's not ethereal. It's very physical. It's a physical act. So it's room for looking. Yeah, and I would add to that too. Um, a common thing to do, and I think I would prefer to do it this way, is when you engage in silence and solitude is to remove yourself and go somewhere in nature. Mm-hmm. And it allows, for that, it allows for that looking like you were talking about. And you're yeah. experiencing God's creation, being a part of God's creation. You are God's creation. The world that God created is God's creation, so you yeah. get to be a part of that. Yes, you can do this practice in your home. It's it's harder, yeah. but um, if you if you want to start this practice, I'd encourage you to go to a park or go to a forest or a riverbank or the beach or somewhere, yeah, somewhere, and just and just take in God's creation as a part of this time. That's good. Great. Uh, number three, Jesus gathered his strength in his uh, gathered strength in his times of silence and solitude. Mm. Uh, guys, if 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 Jesus needed it, if he felt like this was important, then I would hearken to say that we should think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, here's just a couple of examples of times when Jesus uh, engaged in this practice. He spent forty days in the desert at the start of his ministry. You can read about it in Matthew 4. Fasting, by the way. He also fasted, which we week. talked about last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he engaged in this practice before he chose the 12 apostles. Read about it in Luke 6. And he, awaiting his betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, he engaged in silence and solitude. He went away from his disciples mm-hmm. and just had a time with himself and God. Matthew 26 talks yeah. about that. Um, so he understood the importance, he understood the why behind it. He engaged in this practice. Time of silence and solitude with him in God, in God the Father, Mm. and talking and engaging and just being with. Yeah. 
Yeah, he understood that it prepared him for hard things that were coming yeah. or big choices that needed to be made or that sort of thing. Yeah, he definitely modeled it, which takes us to number four. Jesus modeled silence and solitude as part of his abiding relationship with the Father. And that term abiding, this might be a, hey, word of the day, fun moment. Um, abiding means living in, to live in. That's why an abode is a home, a place where you live. Abiding means to live, to live there. And Jesus took time away so that he could constantly invest in his relationship with his Father. He wanted God's voice to remain the most prominent voice in his life. And so even though he spent lots of his time amidst the crowds and ministering to others and teaching to his disciples, all those things, he withdrew often to lonely places so that he could be with his heavenly Father. So he modeled that personally. And it's kind of like you were saying, if Jesus recognized that it was important for him, the God-man, it is certainly important for us. I would say so. Um, and the fifth one is a little more practical. Is, is, is Science and Solitude promotes wisdom. Okay, Many of the foolish decisions and choices we make in life happen because we were too hasty. We rushed into things. Guys, I don't know if you've noticed this about kind of our, our modern culture, but we tend to be a rushing culture. We tend to try to talk fast, make decisions quickly, and just mm. keep going, going, going. This is gets in the way of that, but on purpose. This yeah. allows for a culture of taking your time, knowing that it's important to slow down at times. It's important yeah. to take times, especially with decision-making. Mm -hmm. So this practice, it allows and creates for space for slower reflection, and it can help enable better choices. If you mm -hmm. take your time and take a time of silence and solitude and just think through what is before you and, and talk with God about it, it allows you to make better choices. Yeah. And it can help us to be wiser with our words. So that's what I was talking about with slowing down, is the practice of silence, it reinforces my ability to humble myself and hold my tongue. There are plenty of times uh, when it's, it's better to choose silence than to say something stupid. Yeah. Um, and so, so this practice helps you to be able to do that in... In real time, if you yeah. practice this on your own time, then in real time, it allows for you to better say, you know what, I'm just going to choose silence right now. Mm. And it creates a moment for me to reflect before I respond. A term for this is micro silence. It's just taking a brief period of silence and thinking through your answer rather than jumping right into something. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen people do this and it's it's stark. Mm. You know, if you, if you ask a question and they sit there for a bit. Yeah. And think. And in a way, it's like jarring, yeah. but it's also refreshing because you know that they're seriously thinking about what it is they want to say. Yeah. I know who you're thinking of. Yes. It's Pastor Tom. We've both made that observation. And it's amazing. And I love that about him. Well, go back go back and listen. We'll put the links in the show notes, but go back and listen to our Q&A episodes with Tom. Tom does something that I think is really remarkable. When you ask him a question, he takes he takes a couple breaths to respond. And then what comes out of his mouth is extraordinarily wise. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's what we're talking about here is that these micro silences or so-called micro, si micro silences can, can be done mid-conversation while you're talking with somebody. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't mean like you just freeze like you're a cyborg that just like lost power and you sit there for like 20 minutes while you think through your entire response. It can just be a short thing where you just sit there, take a breath and process what you've just heard so that you can take the time to form a thoughtful response. It may not be a perfect response, may not be a genius response, but at least it will be a thoughtful response. And it's more likely to be the best response you could offer rather than something rash because when you are rushing, 
you tend to speak rashly. And so this kind of makes me think of like like a speed bump. You know, when you're driving mm-hmm. through a parking lot, there are speed bumps, you know, placed throughout. What's the whole point of that? It's to slow you down. Yeah. Because if you speed through a parking lot, somebody's going to get run down. And you might be running people down in your conversations because you just don't know how to chill. Slow down. Think about what you're going to say next. And maybe, here's a crazy idea, take the time to actually listen to the other person. Listen to what they said before you just jump to your response. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're always thinking like two steps ahead in conversation. Um, anyway, we're talking about interpersonal stuff right now, but this is the kind of one of the practical elements like Jason said. There are a couple verses on this that come from Proverbs, and I think they're actually kind of, I think they're kind of comical, actually. The first one is, is uh, you know, not so funny, more very serious. The second one's pretty funny. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You talk too much, bad things can happen. Yeah. Right? The tongue is a flame of fire. It can set your whole world ablaze. Proverbs 17.28 says, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. So, end of the day, a little more silence, and you may be perceived as a smarter person. They'll think, wow, this guy's so thoughtful the way he just sits and ponders. Poor girl. It's so great. Yeah, they're making the intentional choice to Mm. be silent and just let the other person ramble. Yeah. Yeah. See how our voices changed? It's weird. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Silence and solitude, extremely important. Every growing believer needs to find ways to to build silence and solitude into their lives. We're going to talk about how to do that in just a few minutes. But first, we got to recognize that there are some real challenges with silence and solitude. It's not easy to build this into your life, and you might hit some, you might hit a few bumps along the way. Yeah, these challenges you may have already even considered as we've been talking. You're like, uh, but I get bored. Yeah, there you I'm go. Bored just Boredom is the to first you. challenge we're talking about. Okay. Boredom is a sensation that that we modern people really or rarely experience. So yeah. when we force ourselves to sit still for a while, it can really be hard to handle. It's because we don't, it's not, it's, there's literally everything under the sun we can find to keep us engaged or keep us entertained. Yeah. Um, so it's it's something, it's it's rare because you don't have to be considered bored anymore. And that's the kind of, the crazy part of this, right? It's, like it's not mandatory. Like, if I don't want to be bored, I don't have to. Exactly. There are literally millions of videos that are just like a couple taps away. Like, you could fall down a YouTube hole or... Exactly. You could, all kinds of stuff. I could, yeah, I could just play Fortnite while I'm doing this. I don't play Fortnite. <laughs> Please don't. I don't know what it is, I to be honest. don't either. Um, We're old now. Yeah. Many great Christians throughout history have viewed boredom as a wonderful gift because boredom comes when there's empty space in our lives. Space which can God or space which God can fill, right? So yeah. boredom is an opportunity almost to say, hey, I don't have to be doing something right now. I can spend the time with God. I can pray. I can yeah. worship. I can, you know, engage with God. Yeah. Um and then uh, and then oftentimes too, we um yeah, okay. Just making sure I'm at the right, <laughs> yeah, the right, there. right one. Okay. Oftentimes, too, is what we is when we think about the practice of silence and solitude, is we look for an experience. Is 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 we get anxious because yeah. we say, okay, I'm expecting an experience. I'm going to go away for a while. I'm going to have this experience with God. And sometimes, if we're just sitting in silence and solitude and nothing's happening. Then you start to get a little, you know, anxious or or upset even because you're like, yeah. wait a second, 
I'm supposed to be having this experience. Yeah, isn't God supposed to show up with some razzle-dazzle? Exactly. Like, I took the time, and where is he, and why am I not having this great, profound moment? Exactly, exactly, yeah. And now, a wonderful experience can happen. We're not saying that it won't or it can't, but what we're saying is is don't don't need that. Don't expect it, because when you do, it puts this. It, it puts a new layer on what you're going out there for. Is you're not going out there to just spend time in this practice with God. Yeah. Is you're going out there to be wowed. It's 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 your it's you've changed the whole purpose. Yeah. Because the purpose is to, is to just be still and know. Like I said earlier. Yeah. It's to it's to appreciate God's beauty. It's to listen, like what we talked about. It's the abiding. It's just it's the abiding, having time, living with God. Exactly, and so so don't so and so having this need for an experience can wreck that, mm. and 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 oftentimes that's why we feel boredom because we 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 need an experience. Right, we're right? we're kind of conditioned to get. Because we're conditioned yeah. to get that exactly. So in silence, God is not offering you a show. Okay, He is offering Himself. Mm. He's saying, "Just be with me." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, think of like your time that you spend with like your best friends, you know? Like you don't expect them to impress you every time you hang out. You hang out with them for the joy of being with them. Yeah. You can have that with God. All right, so boredom is a big one. Believe us, we get it. And then there's another one. It's called anxiety. You might actually feel some stress. Because we live at such a rapid pace all the time, many uh, serious hurts and fears and wounds from the past can actually surface in times of silence where that stuff can kind of get numbed or pushed beneath the surface because we're moving at such a rapid pace all the time. But as you know, you know, and you might see glimpses of this, like when you're laying in bed at night before you fall asleep and there's that moment of silence and solitude that comes before sleep finally carries you away, where you begin thinking about things that you haven't thought about all day, maybe things you haven't thought about for years. So sometimes when we're still for a little while, some unresolved issues can begin to show up. And that can be particularly overwhelming if that stuff's been building up for a long period of time. So anxiety can actually be a part of your, at least your early experience in silence and solitude. It may sometimes even feel like now I'm alone and I'm alone with all these hurts. But this is a moment where I want to remind you that silence and solitude is a bit of a misnomer because the whole point of silence and solitude is not to be separate um, and is not necessarily to be silent, it's to listen to God and to be with Him. So solitude in the sense that you're not with others, you know, other people, but you're with God. And so make sure that you remember that God is with you through that experience, and that when He allows those things to come to the surface, it may be that this is an opportunity to work on something that needs to be dealt with. And to reinforce this, look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. It says, uh, and be sure of this, Jesus speaking, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So God is with you all the time when you're going through these times of silence and solitude, when hard things are coming to the surface and you're having to wrestle with those, God is with you. So remember that. And remember too that that, that is part of the purpose of silence and solitude, is to allow things to come to the surface. Remember, you're listening and you're looking. And part of that looking is look at what God wants to communicate to you. What, what does God want you to deal with? What is a... What is something from the past or in, from the present that God wants you to wrestle with a little bit? What's something that he wants to come alongside you and help you gain victory over? Uh, so you may find that something may get revealed in your time of silence and solitude that actually then you need to maybe take that realization, you need to take that thing that God brought to the surface 
And, and maybe there's follow-up action to that. And now you know, because of this time of silence and solitude, it caused me to really recognize that there is this big hurt that I have not really worked through. This thing that kept rising up in this time of silence and solitude. And maybe you need to go get counseling after that and speak with somebody about that who can help you process through that stuff. So that may be part of the role of silence and solitude is to draw out the things mm -hmm. that, are, that are hurting you at, at a deep level. And I think I'll just take the moment to say, if you live anywhere near Saddleback Church, uh, make sure that you look into our counseling ministry. If there's something that has come to the surface and that maybe is bothering you even now that you'd like to speak with somebody about. And I'll link to that in the show notes so you can find, good. find access to that. So always have confidence, though, that when you're going through times of silence and solitude, God is with you. Agreed. Um, another big problem that we want to hit on is distractions. Because we understand that distractions easily come up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially, I found like, and I'm sure, I'm sure you probably have too. It can so be so easily to be distracted in times of silence or in solitude. Um, I'm sure you've probably experienced that. I'm sure I'm not the only one where you're praying and you're talking to God, and then all of a sudden, squirrel, <laughs> yeah, well, and you, you get this distraction. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then all these other things start coming up. Did I remember to lock the door? Did I remember to turn off the air conditioning? Because it's summer and nobody's home and all this stuff. <laughs> um, so distractions, guys, are so easy to come upon us. Um, so what you got to do is to, is to not be surprised by them, but to anticipate that distractions are going to come up. So have a means to kind of circumvent those, right? A, a, a common thought is to have like a notepad or something that's near you. And as, as a thought comes up is write it down and you can have it to come back to when you're done with this time is knowing, okay, I'm not going to forget it. It's there. I'll come back to it. Um, I don't need to be worried about that right now. Mm. Um, so it's just, it, 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 I think ahead and, and plan for what you're going to do with distractions. And a big part of that is to remove yourself from as many possible distractions as you can. Turn your phone off or put it on silence or, or on, on silent mode or go somewhere, you know, not at home. So you're not going to be distracted by the dust you see building up on, you yeah. know, the cabinet. Don't go whatever. to the mall. You'll just don't, be people watching the whole time. Yeah. Don't do your silence and solitude at Disneyland. you walk past <laughs> the pet store and be like, the puppies. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, that's right. Have a smell all the time. I'm sure it does. Um, all right, so, so you know, so we said, write it down and and just realize that perfection, guys, is not the goal. Uh, it's it, uh, your goal is not to have the perfect, you know, chunk of time of silence and solitude. Yeah, because that it's just not going to happen, right? Is God doesn't expect perfect from us. God, God's not surprised by your distractions that come up. He's yeah. not going, oh, you fool! Why did you let that come into your head? <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. No, he understands. He knows. He he he, he gets it. Okay? He knows our limitations. He knows our yeah. limitations. So just be prepared for distractions that are going to come up. Don't be surprised by them. Don't beat yourself up for them. Yeah. And then just get back into it. Yep. Right. Distractions are just part of how the human brain works. You're always going to have to wrestle with those, but you will get better at it with time. You will learn to focus and it will get easier. Yes. All right. Let's go on to some very practical how-to stuff now. Let's talk about how to begin the practice of silence and solitude. First, this is very simple. Create space. You got to schedule time with the Lord. Schedule time to be with Him. Don't leave it to chance. Don't just say, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll sprinkle in some times of silence and solitude wherever you know, I find some time. You're not going to find time. You have to make time. So schedule it. Say, during this time, during these slots, in this, you know, uh, during this part of my day, I'm going to spend this time with God. And, and, and then realize along with that, that it's okay to start small. 
there's, there's nothing too small. Maybe you begin with five minutes of silence and solitude per day. Five minutes. Now, believe me, five minutes sounds like, like nothing, but five minutes of sheer silence it can feel quite a bit longer. You remember how uncomfortable you felt earlier in the episode? When yeah, we were I don't know how long that was, but that was like 10 seconds yeah. of silence or less. Yeah, it can, it, it can be tough at first. So you're actually going to have to acclimate. It's almost like, you know, being in a different ecosystem. You're going to need to acclimate to the silence a little bit. So a little bit can go a long way early on. Um, but you're going to find it has some really great benefits for your relationship with God and and the practical ones we talked about earlier. So create space. Create Next. space and then choose a place. We kind of talked just a little bit about this. Um, separate yourself from people. So don't choose a populous place. Don't go to the middle of Times Square to have your time of silence and solitude. <laughs> Find a place that is quiet and comfortable. You don't want to be up against you know, a stick that's jutting out of a tree and you're just aware of that the whole time. That bed of nails you made in college is not a good don't, place. Don't pull that out of storage yeah. and be like, ah, I can finally use my bed of nails. Not the time <laughs> or place, guys. Um, be mindful of your tendency to fall asleep. So don't look at your bed and say, that's the perfect place for silence and solitude. So it's going to be somewhere between bed of nails and actual and comfortable yeah. bed. <laughs> it's going to be right in the, you know, so like a hotel bed. Yeah. Maybe a chair. Um, <laughs> Um, and then, and then bring a journal to record your insights because you I know, just got that hotel bed thing, and it's very funny. Okay, just want to make sure you got credit for that. Go thank on. Thank you, appreciate it. Um, so you know, so so as you as you are listening, if God puts something on your heart, it could be a, a verse, it could be a thought, it could be an idea, it could be a feeling, whatever it is, r- write it down. Good idea. Yeah. Here's one you probably didn't think about: control your breathing. Pay attention to your inhaling and exhaling, especially at the beginning of your time of silence and solitude. There's nothing magical about it. You know, I think like, I think pop culture has made breathing exercises seem like a, like a really big sort of mystical thing that you can do, but it's really, it's really very physiological. If you just take a little bit of time at the start of your silence and solitude practice of just some big breaths in, some big breaths out. It, it actually goes a long way. And Pastor Rick's talked about this one too, how breathing yes. can actually contr- help control anxiety and can kind of just chill you out as you enter into that time. It will literally, physiologically and mentally, it will slow you down. I actually have been, this is a bit of a tangent, but it, it falls right in line with it. You know, I have a two-year-old named Jude, and he's very much, I don't want to say the terrible twos are real at my house, but he can sometimes be a little terrible. And this involves sometimes having meltdowns and stuff like that, just because, you know, two-year-olds have all the emotions and none of the coping skills to deal with those emotions, and you really have to help them. And one of the things I've been doing with Jude lately is if if he's just melting down because, like, you know, his sister stepped on a pretzel or something like that, <laughs> um, I'll just scoop him up, and I... I take him through some little breathing exercises, and they're silly, but man, yeah, they, do. They, they do. work. And I'll just say, okay, he can go from absolutely freaking out, like, ah, like full on. Screen to just grab that, guys. Chill. Screen yeah, screen, screen grab that expression. <laughs> Email it. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just say, okay, bud, let's take some deep breaths. And the, the whole idea of taking a deep breath in the middle of a meltdown is honestly, in and of itself, it's so jarring to him that it actually kind of gets his attention. And maybe I'll have to do a few breaths without him before he kind of gets into it. Um, but it chills him out. And I'll even, one thing I've been trying out lately, you can try this with Ben when he's a little okay. bit bigger. I'll have him, um, I'll have him do something silly once I get him breathing. I'll say, Jude, I need you to blow in my ear. 
<laughs> and he thinks that's the silliest thing. But just this breaking of his kind of crazy pace yeah. and that crazy moment is very blowing my other ear, blowing my eye. And pretty soon he's laughing. My point is, breathing has powerful physiological effects that we can see even at you know in very young children. It does not go away even that's when true. we're grown ups. Another another simple thing too that you can do as you as you start your your time with God with breathing. Um, it's interesting that especially in the well, both in Hebrew and Greek, there's uh, this association with the, the Spirit of God is often conveyed using imagery of wind or breath. And as you're taking those deep breaths, you can take a moment and, and, and recognize the Holy Spirit's presence in that moment. Recognize that as you're taking these deep breaths, the Holy Spirit is present within you. It reinforces that truth we conveyed earlier that you're not alone in these times of silence and solitude. God is with you. He is in you. He lives within you, and you are entering into this abiding life with Him. So those breaths can be a kind of an object lesson for the Holy Spirit's presence in that moment. We talk about it in Holy Spirit Part 2, I believe, in Foundations. Anyway. Don't we just. We do. And then, so the fourth thing you do is you rinse and repeat. You rinse and repeat the process until it becomes a habit, right? We've talked about habit a bunch, um, but they, guys, new habits do not form overnight, okay? So discipline is required, and that's making this um, a part of your daily routine if you want it to be a daily habit or however often you want it to do it, but mm -hmm. to making it that kind of habit. So one thought is to try stacking the practice of silence and solitude with a current habit. An example, add it to the beginning of your quiet time. So for the first few minutes or whatever, just practice a period of silence and solitude, and then you can engage in your quiet time. Mm -hmm. Or spending the first five minutes in your car instead of hopping right in and turning on whatever radios... Uh, radio stations there are, I'm so out of touch, I don't know. Um, and um, in, instead of just needing that fix right away, um, then it's um, it's just being silent in solitude. It's yeah. just spending those first few moments silent. The car is really a pretty good place for it. Because it is. Yeah, when you're driving, your, your brain tends to kind of wander anyway, so mixing in some silence and solitude can be great. So that habit stacking idea, if you want to learn more about that, taking a, a, taking a habit that you want to start bundling it with a habit that's already successful and how that can help you. Um, you want to learn more about habit research and how you can uh, succeed better with the new habits you might want to create. Go back and listen to our habit episode, which I'll also link in the show notes. We had Rob Jacobs on for that one. And it's a good little super uh, nuts and bolts yeah. practical episode. Well, how about some doables? It's that time. Indeed it is. All right, here are a couple simple ones for you. First, spend five minutes in silence and solitude with God each day this week. Next seven days, five minutes a day. It's not very hard, people. Remember, make space, find a place, just get quiet and enjoy this time with God. By the way, this is different from your quiet time through Bible reading and prayer. You do not necessarily need to bring a Bible into your quiet time. You might want to have one in case God starts saying something to you and the Bible can supplement that. But for the most part... Um, you kind of want to show up to your, your silence and solitude unscripted. So just have a moment. Uh, one good way to do that, like Jason said, can be to just incorporate it in the top of your quiet time. So add five minutes of silence to the beginning of your quiet time. That could be a good way to do it. So five minutes for the next seven days and just see what it does for you. See how, see how that experience goes. In fact, we'd like to hear about that. So maybe comment below or send us an email, maturity at saddleback.com. Let us know what your seven days of silence were like. Yeah, uh, before I forget and we hit the next doable, I don't want to forget this one. Um, so on the website, saddleback.com slash retreats, we are actually going to have a downloadable PDF for free that you can do your own silence and solitude, a little retreat. 
it has prompts and everything for mm. you to do um, on this time. So um, that's coming. I don't know if it'll be available by the time this episode's released, mm. but keep checking it out. It'll be there soon. Yes. Uh, and another one, check out a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by a guy named Donald Whitney. I think we referenced it last week. Yeah, yeah. we talked about it last week. This is a good one. Both the fasting subject that we talked about last week and Silence and Solitude are contained within that book. And it just offers some great um, sort of elaboration on these things. So if you want to dig more deeply into these, that's a, a good way to do it. We'll link to that below as well. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. I had fun with you, Jason. It's been a pleasure as always. I'm going to go always real. And, and roll up my bed of nails. <laughs> good idea. Yeah. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.